Okay, LaTanya, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate This episode is brought to you by 2010 Talent, a career resource for talented black women sharing inspiring career profiles, companies, and resources with women across the globe. Do you want to take your career to the next level? 2010 Talent specializes in helping black women accelerate with one-to-one career coaching. Ready to invest in your future? Visit 2010talent.com for more information. In this episode, you meet Octavia Gorodima, an award-winning career coach, writer, and the founder of 2010 Talent. As you know, 2010 Talent works with companies and academic institutions to help talented Black women accelerate their careers. I've had the pleasure of knowing Octavia for almost a year now, I believe, and she has been such an asset to the I Choose a Ladder community, as well as myself, giving us free advice during our office hours last quarter, and also opening up her resources to not only me, but the women of the I Choose the Ladder community. She does amazing work through 2010 Talent, and as you'll see from this interview, she has a wealth of knowledge and experience that is invaluable if you're thinking about how to navigate your career, especially in this new year where it seems that we're all thinking about how do we take ourselves, our careers, our development to the next level. And I think she offers some solid advice. So I hope that you learn and get some things from this interview that you can apply to your own journey. Octavia, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Watson. Thank you for having me. I'm so, I could listen to you talk all day long. You could read me the phone book and I'd be (laughs) excited to hear your voice. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, So let's start. You are currently an entrepreneur, a a seasoned entrepreneur, but was there a time when you worked in corporate America? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I have had a professional career in public relations. And as you can probably hear, I'm from England, um, but I started working in corporate America 13 years ago when I moved to Los Angeles. And what was your first corporate job? So I worked in public relations, so I actually transferred with the company I worked at. Um, they had actually bought the office that I worked at in, Los An- in, in London previously, okay. um, and I wanted to be with my partner who was here in L.A., and I didn't really know how to do it, and I was, came over, and I was interviewing at other places and trying to figure out visas, and my partner just said, why don't you ask for a transfer? Um, and so I did, and that was one of the first lessons that I really learned when you're looking at your career. You need to ask for what you want. And so I asked, and it happened really fast. I think I made the ask in the spring. I came out to interview in May, and then I was there by August. Oh, my gosh, that is fast, especially for an inter- <laughs> really fast. for an international transfer. That is pretty, pretty fast. It was really fast, and that included paperwork as well. One of the benefits of me asking for a transfer, which I didn't realize at the time, was that the visa was much simpler um, than if I was looking for a completely new job with a new employer. So it was much easier to execute. Um, And because I was at a management level and I had a college degree, I ticked all the boxes. So it happened really fast. So that was definitely one of the first important lessons that I learned in my career is asking for what you want. And so um, I know this was a while back, but can you remember what the big difference in terms of corporate culture was when you made that switch over to L.A.? Oh, of course. Um, it was everything. And 
I'd really underestimated what that transition would be like. Mm. Um, I had never lived and worked in America before. I had visited Los Angeles twice before I moved, um, just for two quick trips. So I didn't know the city I was moving to. I didn't know the culture I was moving into. Um, and working in public relations, one of the assets that you have are your contacts <laughs> and your connections, and I had zero. So it really felt like starting over with the exception that I was working in a large office, leading teams in two different cities. My boss was in Seattle when I was in LA. Um, it was a huge change for me. Um, and the one assumption that I had was that we speak the same language, so I'm going to be fine. Mm. Oh, my goodness, no one could understand me. No one could understand <laughs> me for weeks. <laughs> I quickly learned. I, so everything was different. Um, where I was, the pace of work, what I did was consistent in terms of the profession, but everything felt different. So it was a huge learning curve for me and one that I'm really glad that I made. Um, and I went back to England four years later thinking, oh, that was it. I moved home. But actually, as soon as I got back, I realized, no, I need to be back in America. Mm. And so it was a really, really important um, transition for me. It wasn't easy at all, but it was really important. It changed my life. And you talked about all of the things that you didn't know, right? So you knew the job, but outside of that, everything else was new to you. Where did you get the confidence that you should take on that responsibility? Because I know a lot of times that would be uh, reasons for people to run in the next direction or not take on that new challenge or opportunity. So what made you feel like you could take it on? Um, I just, I'd asked for it. Mm. And so when I asked, and then the opportunity came. I couldn't really do anything else but go for it. Once I was in it, there were times when I was like, I don't know if I'll figure this out. <laughs> of course, that, that's new with everything. And I think one of the things as we get older, we get more and more afraid of change, even though we think we might want change. Mm. But we get more afraid of it. We start to question ourselves. Can we do this? Are we capable you, you can't think that way because there was a time where you didn't know anything at all and you learned. We learned how to walk, we learned how to talk, we learned how to find our way around the world. We, we started to go to school, you go to college, you take your first job, you're constantly learning. Um, and so that was a real test for me, but I'm so glad that I did it because there were so many other things I've done since then that might have seemed just as hard to me, but until you start to do them, you realize I can do this. Mm. Um, and it wasn't easy. Um, I didn't realize when I came into the opportunity that not only did I have to find my feet with leading a team, I had to show that I was capable of doing that to them. Mm. <laughs> and that wasn't always easy too. Um, I was the most senior black woman in that office and I was middle level management um, and so there, there was a lot that I had to work around. And I, I still remember to this day, people would talk to me on the phone because I had a lot of conference calls. But when they actually met me in person, there was that double take. Oh, my gosh, you're black. <laughs> you could see it. They didn't. <laughs> it was a shock because they couldn't connect the voice <laughs> with the person. Um, mm. But again, that's other people. I, I can't carry what people might expect. All I can do is deliver. 
Um, and so there was a lot to work through. But like I said, it was, it was a life-changing opportunity. I didn't know back then what an impact it would make, but it really did. Hmm. And so you talk about, one, you're in a completely new country. You're the most senior black person mm-hmm. in the in the in the company at the time. Um, mm-hmm. So how did you find mentors or, or people to, to help you figure out this new land that you were navigating? Um, truth be told, I didn't have any mm. at that time. Um, and I personally have never had a black teacher um, while I was at school or at college, and I've never had a black female boss. Um, I have taken part in mentoring initiatives, um, and when I moved back to England and when I started my work with 2010, I had an incredible mentor who I was paired with um, through an organization. Her name's Atiti Sasimi, and she was amazing, Um, but I've also had mentors who I've been paired with through Institutes that just didn't work. They didn't, we were not the right fit for each other. Um, so I think finding a mentor, it, you're super fortunate if you have that opportunity or if someone comes your way or if you have a boss that really believes in you and challenges you and sponsors you and inspires you. But as black women, it's our job to pay it forward. I firmly believe that even if you don't have someone who's there to help you, look around you. Look at the women in your office or look at the women in your network or look at your circle and see who you can pay it forward for. Mm. And so when you are coaching women now who you know are trying to make it to that next level and they're asking you about mentorship, what advice do you give them in terms of them seeking mentorship? Yeah, I think you have to identify yourself what it is you want to do and where you want to go. And it might be there's someone who can help you with a piece of that, even if they're not doing exactly what you do. Um, it could be there's someone that you see in your company who is blazing a trail and they're really good at X and you want to be good at X. And so maybe you have lunch with them and it's just a one-off conversation versus an ongoing relationship that can really ignite you. Um, or it could be that you know that you need something a little bit more structured and that you you look for it and ask for it. But I think it can be hard. Um, and sometimes you have to find the resources yourself or the guidance yourself if there happens not to be the person at that moment in time that is the right fit for you. And I think don't give up if you don't have that person around you. And I do firmly believe sometimes when you're paying it forward for others, there can be unexpected benefits. Um, When I went back to England and I started an organization called 2010 Club, and we were literally a networking organization for black female founders, and we started doing work with school children. And every single black female entrepreneur that took part in our mentoring program, she was giving back to a student, but she actually learned so much in that process. So it's one thing sometimes saying, oh, well, I'm helping someone else. But actually, just that process of answering someone else's questions or giving them some guidance can help you yourself in thinking about where you're at and what you're doing next. So that's why I really emphasize, even if you feel you were looking <laughs> for guidance, take time to give guidance to others because it can really impact where you're at now. And what about those who think like, well, I don't have anything to give. I think when when people think about mentorship or paying it forward, it's like you need to be an expert at something. And I don't necessarily believe that that's true. But what if there's a woman listening to this who's like, I'm middle level management. I have nothing to give. Like, what would you say to her? 
yeah, I agree with you watching. We all have something to give. And I guess the beauty of advancement is we're always looking to where we want to get to next, right? We, we get the job that we want and then it's like, okay, I want to be successful at, at it or I want to earn more or I want to be promoted or I want to make that next move. And it's easy to forget, wait a minute. If you had asked me five years ago or three years ago about goals, where I might want to be, and if, I, if you were to tell me some of the things that I'm doing now, would I have been proud of myself or would I have been excited? It's easy to forget that. And it's easy to forget sometimes the very simple things that you may have done, whether it was going to college or how you got that first job or how you bounced back from being fired or from a setback. All of those things matter. Just showing up and being there matters. So there'll always be something for you to give, even if you feel you're not where you want to be yet. Mm. Did you hear that, ladies? You always have something to give. Um, I know that your clientele that you work with is black women. um, And Mm -hmm. I know a lot of the, there are issues that I think are unique to black women, right? If they're going into corporate, most of the times their experience will be similar to yours where they'll be one of a few black women or, you know, maybe the only black woman. So how how do you help them prepare for like the culture um, of corporate America that's, maybe different than, you know, what they, their counterparts may experience in the same situation? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard, but I think we are all much stronger and resilient than sometimes we realize. It doesn't mean that it it won't still be hard at times, but just to get wherever you are at has taken achievement Mm -hmm. (laughs) and accomplishment. Mm -hmm. So you deserve to be where you're at. And it doesn't mean you necessarily have to stay there. Um, of course you always want to look at where you want to be next but you have to believe in who you are and it's taken me a long time to also accept that not everyone will understand who you are or your journey or what makes you who you are and whilst depending on what industry and what you do yes there are certain things and paths you have to follow but bring who you are to the table Mm. don't hide what makes you whole Um, I could if I had a dollar for every time someone didn't say my last name because they were afraid of <laughs> pronounce it, I would never have to work again, mm. right? I would never have to work again. So, you know, when I'm in a meeting, I take the lead. Hi, I'm Octavia Gorodima. I will make the lead in terms of introducing who I am or setting the tone. And that's just something I have gotten used to. It doesn't make it right, but it's a, it's a very simple thing. Do, you, do your colleagues even know how to say your name? Or do they even know your background or who you are? No, maybe not. But that doesn't invalidate who you are. Mm. And at some point in your career, you decided to take, um, the. a lot of people will say the leap of faith or the leap to exit corporate and work, become an entrepreneur full time. What was that thought process like for you? Like, how did you know that you were ready for this you know, different chapter in your career? Because I know a lot of people, um, a lot of women that I talk to are always questioning, like, should I be an entrepreneur? Is corporate the right place for me? So for you, um, what was that process like? Um, I don't think you ever know anything for sure until you try. And I think that's the goes for everything you do, if you think about it. When you're picking a college to go to, do you really know what that's going to be like for you? No. You make a leap of faith. When you're looking at a job that's advertising, it, it sounds brilliant, but do you know what it's going to be like to work at that place day in, day out for you? No, you don't. You make a leap of faith. So I think you have to be intuitive 
about what makes sense for you, whether that's an entrepreneurial path or a corporate path. Um, and I think you just have to believe in yourself and go all in. And But also know if something doesn't work or if it doesn't feel right, you can pivot, you can change. It's your journey. And all the experiences you have are valuable, whether you go back to working or whether you're self-employed or whether you start a corporation that employs others. It, you control your journey. Um, and you can't control what happens to you but you can control how you respond to it. Mm. Um, and so it's, there's no way of knowing. I really wish there was. It would be amazing if there was a way to know if something is going to be right for you. You just have to try. Did you make sure that, I know some of the advice that you hear is like, make sure you have this much saved and all of these other things. Like, did you follow that checklist when exiting corporate? Yes, I think you do have to have your eyes wide open and... The one thing, uh, when I was growing up, I never really learned about financial ed education, mm. like how you manage your money, what is a 401k and what should you be doing with it, um, how much savings should you have, well, how should you manage credit cards or credit card debt. And I think whatever you do, whatever path you take, those fundamentals are really important it can be even more important if you don't have a regular paycheck, but it's important full stop. Even if you're working, if you got sick, you need to know how to take care of yourself and you need to understand those principles. So I think one of the things that I always try and advocate to all the women in my circle is really understand what your finances mean to you. Even if you love your job and you love, you love your career, what would happen if that was to change tomorrow? And mm. um, how, how would you survive? How would you move forward? Um, and know that if you have skills and ability, you you ultimately will be fine, but you also do need to think about what what if something happens um, and how will I navigate that? Um, when I started um, the 2010 Club back in England and that morphed into 2010 Talent, which is a platform that provides career advice to help black women accelerate. But the one thing I did notice with the black female founders that I was working alongside um, in England is that we took on a lot. We were doing everything. We were coming up with the ideas for our ventures. We were like working day and night and pouring ourselves into them. And we were, we were like, we were tapping out. We were tapping out financially. We were tapping out emotionally. And it's been well documented about how black women are not raising capital for ventures that, you know, are proven and that have traction. Vanity Fair had an a cover feature, I feel, like two, three issues ago where they had this spread of women who have, have actually achieved a million dollars in funding. Now, while that is something to be proud of, it's like a million dollars. Mm. I think black women make like 0.2% of venture capital that's raised. So, I mean, different ventures have different scalability and different people have different goals. But I think that's the one thing that I really support all of the organizations such as Project Diane and other initiatives that are really examining that, that we deserve more. Um, and so definitely don't be, don't hold yourself back, whether you're looking to start something like the next Google, whether you just want to be self-employed or whether you're just looking to accelerate your own career, know your worth, know your worth. Um, that's really, really important. So one of the things that when we're talking about what you do with 20, 10 talent is 
ultimately you want to help black women accelerate their careers, right? And so a woman who's coming to you is coming to you because she knows that she's at a crossroads or she knows that it's time to kind of level up to the next thing career-wise. What is the common mistake that you see black women making as they navigate their careers? Um, going back to knowing your worth, I think is really important. We're so fortunate today to have access to so much information that when I started my career 18 years ago, it didn't exist. Mm. <laughs> if you want to know what your peers are making, you can go to companies like Payscale or Glassdoor and look up compensation information. So your job title or the job that you want in the city that you work in, in the industry sector that you're in. And that information is really valuable. Um, just this past week, I produced a series of content on Black Women's Equal Pay Day. And as most of us know from direct experience, um, we earn 63 cents um, compared to the dollar that a white man might earn. So understanding your worth in your career, chosen career path is so important. Mm. And negotiating your salary is so important, even if it's your first job. Really? Salary. Yes. Because they make it, they, I don't even know who they are, but it seems like when you're entry level, they, the, the message that is communicated is that like you don't really have much power in those situations. Do you agree? I disagree. Mm. You have power if you have an offer you have power so you might negotiate and it might not be that much more of an increment but that increment can make a difference there was a study I saw recently that talked about if you do not negotiate your salary from your very first job and even if that increment was relatively small that could cost you up to a million dollars over your career it's a huge <laughs> difference a wow. huge difference so yes you, you should always negotiate you should negotiate once you've had a performance review. If your performance review was stellar, um, you should negotiate. If you're taking on new responsibilities in your role and you're achieving in those new responsibilities, you should negotiate. And negotiation is a back and forth. But just by starting that conversation shows that you know the value that you bring to the table. Got it. And, then and don't always assume that other people will think that you're, you don't want more. They might just assume, oh, but watching is happy. <laughs> we mm. made an offer and she's happy when watching might have been, actually, I really wanted that extra 5K, but I didn't want to ask. Mm. And so always ask. But I think what the challenge is, is most people don't have the language, right? So you don't want to come across, we talk about this all the time, you know, the, the stereotypes. You don't want to be the angry black woman. You don't want to be the person who, like, is perceived as being... Um, too aggressive or too demanding. So in term, terms of language, is there appropriate language that you should be using to start negotiations. Yeah, it's it's not I think it's you have to look at it as you're not necessarily asking for anything more than what you may deserve if you've done your research. If you've done your research with the resources that are now available to us, which are phenomenal, and you know what the market value is for what you do and if your company or organization is performing well and you you, you have to you have to look at the the whole landscape. But understanding the range, it's smart to to know. And you know your worth. And if for whatever reason, the company that you're in can't match where you want to be, but there are other incentives or other things that you're doing that are going to help you accelerate or get you where you want to be, it might be a give and take sometimes. But knowing your worth is still important. 
is still really important because it helps shape what you might do next. Or if you're considering um, other opportunities at other companies, it's even more important to know. And certain states, the state that I live and work in, for example, California, it's now illegal for employers to ask you in an interview situation, what did you use to make? Instead, they're supposed to ask you, what are you looking for in your next role? So if you haven't done your research and you don't know, and you're just basing that answer on what you used to make, maybe and adding a little bit, you could be leaving a lot of money on the table. So your advice would be to do your research? Yes, do your research. Do your research. And then it depends on what situation you're negotiating. And if you've got a job offer, you're in a really strong position because they want you. (laughs) You've gone through a process. um, And then that negotiation is expected by hiring managers. You're not doing anything that isn't expected. Mm -hmm. And they will have a range that they may not be fully sharing with you anyway. So they will they will be expecting that. And it can be different if you're already in an organization. But if you're adding value and you're knocking it out of the park and you've done your research, have that conversation. And even if it doesn't happen immediately, your management will know what you're working towards. If you never say, they will never know. So it's really important to, um, to, to use your voice. To use your voice and know your worth. I've heard you say that you know, yes. five, six times. So if you, if you get nothing else from Octavia, it's to know <laughs> your worth. It's really important. And how does someone know their worth? Right. You say people say that all the time, like know your worth, know your worth. What things do you factor in personally when you're saying like, this is my worth? Yeah. And that's a really good point watching because often we're so busy doing whatever it is we do. We don't take a moment to look back and Pretty much every organization will have some form of annual performance review, but I definitely recommend to the women that I coach or that are in my circle, do a bit more than that. Maybe once a quarter, sit down yourself and look at what were your key achievements Um, or also what do you want to do next as well And, and, and what goals are you setting for yourself because if you just wait to your annual appraisal, and a lot of people put off or procrastinate actually having to do those forms because it's like, oh, I've got to sit down and what if my boss isn't happy with what I did and did I really do what I was supposed to do? But often you're surprised when you stop and look at everything you've done. And it can be hard to remember sometimes after a year. So that's why it's really important to do it in increments. And also, I firmly believe there's something that didn't go well in your quarter when you're looking back. What did you learn from it? How are you going to course correct or how will you bounce up from that? And that's even more powerful. So I definitely recommend when that email comes into your inbox about it's time to do your, do your appraisal, embrace it, be ready, be prepared, and don't let it fall through the cracks. And sometimes you can have a brilliant manager who is really prepared for your proposal and has gone through everything and goes, or you can have a manager who's literally ticking the boxes. So show up, treat your appraisal like it's a job interview, you know, be positive, (laughs) be ready to talk about the the highlights. Don't just assume that the person on the other side of the table has read through everything you prepared and knows them. Be ready to talk them through. Um, And so, and I've always been surprised when I had performance appraisal, I've had managers say, oh, I forgot you did that. Oh, I didn't realize that. And you're like, really? Mm. You're like, inside, you're like, but you were there, right? <laughs> but they forget too. 
they might have multiple people they're managing. They're busy thinking about their own performance and what they have to do for their body. So don't make assumptions. Show up. Demonstrate what you've done. Um, it's really important. Yeah, and, then, and I think what you said is taking ownership of your own career, right? So you have a boss, but yes. ultimately the success of your career is yours to own. And so keeping tra- yes. it's your job to keep track of your achievements and it's your job to keep track of the things that you did that people may not have known about, right? That helped contribute to the success or the bottom line of your company. But at the end of the day, it's your career. Absolutely. No one else is invested in your career or your dreams or your goals. It's you. Even if you have a boss who's amazing, even if you have really supportive family, even if you have friends that are cheering you on, this is yours. It's yours. So, yes, you you have to do all of those things, um, all of those things. And you have to, you know, do your job well and, <laughs> and you know, learn as you go and pivot and evolve. And But you, you do. You have to own. You have to own your path. Mm. Um. So you've worked with hundreds and hundreds and thousands of women over your, your, your working career. What's the career question that you get asked the most frequently? Um, people sometimes feel stuck. Mm. And they can feel stuck for different reasons. Um, and that can be hard because it really comes from within you, even if circumstances have been working against you and we all can face different challenges for multiple different reasons but I think you have to really take a step back when that happens and really have the opportunity to kind of sometimes I just say do this exercise where you just write down what what are all the things you want big small doesn't matter just dump them down what are the things that you want and then you look at them and like well okay what are the maybe the, the three that are really jump out as the most important things that I might want and then, okay, how do you break those those down even further? And what is stopping you, do you think, from doing those things? And then when you actually take the time to think through or write down what you think is stopping you, you then like, well, how can I how can I combat that? What could what what steps could I take? And the I is the crucial because we can't we can't control what our boss might decide to do or what a company performance overall might be but we can control our own actions or how we think about something. And I think that in itself can be a really empowering exercise when you feel stuck or if you feel you don't have control to actually take a step back and break it down into pieces and just start to take some positive actions. And then it becomes a bit like um, a snowballing effect, I often notice. Once you start to do something that feels more positive or taking a step in the direction you want to go, you'd be amazed what can start to then just keep moving and keep moving and keep moving. Um, but when you're when you're having a tough time, it's hard. And I think at the early start of my career, I wasn't really taught that. I always thought you're just supposed to keep moving up and up and up, right? You you start off at the entry level and you work really hard and you get promoted, you get a bit more, you move up, you move up, you move up. No one told me about sometimes there might be some dips. And there might be times where you're like, this is not where I wanted or thought I was going. That's okay because you will bounce back. And sometimes you also need those dips to have perspective, to actually be like, oh, no, this doesn't work for me or this doesn't feel right. Those are important lessons to have because if you don't have those lessons, you can't move into what works for you. <laughs> so I think it's not being too hard on yourself, but also knowing that you have everything you need to move out of that situation. Got it. And 
So for the women who are listening, who are middle management right now, um, let's say they came to you because they're trying to break into that, you know, upper management C-suite level in their career. What are some skills that they need to have in order to be able to be taken seriously when they have those conversations? Yes. Well, first of all, you need to have your own vision. And if you already know that you want to be doing the X, Y, or Z next, you have that vision. Um, and that's important. Then you have to have belief, right? Even if it's not happening for you as quickly as you might want it to, or if you feel other people are moving forward faster than you, or you've got your own things that you feel have been holding you back, let them go. Belief. You have to believe in yourself um, to move forward. You have to. And once you believe in yourself, it's amazing that that confidence is tangible. It really is. You don't necessarily know it is, but it is. It's tangible, and that makes all the difference. And then there's positive action. Um, don't just think, do. If it means looking at a job description for the position above you or maybe having a conversation with someone seeing you in your company about what goes behind all of those things on the job description, have the conversation. Mm. Get extra training if you think you might need it. Get a coach. Oh, my goodness. The first time I worked with a coach, it was transformative transformative because sometimes you have to kind of have the support of someone outside of yourself to have that perspective. Mm. Um, so do whatever you need to do to keep moving forward. But I firmly believe it's vision, belief, action. Mm. And for the people, so I think sometimes we don't think we're ready when we are. And there are other times when we think we read, we're ready for the next level and we really aren't. Um, so how does, how does one know when they're ready for the next step in their career, in your experience? Um, if you think, if you're asking that question, you're ready to try, mm. <laughs> in, my, in my experience. And you won't know until you try. Um, and you, I, um, and I think as women, we want to do everything perfectly. We want to get everything exactly right more often than not. And I remember I had a conversation with a woman a while ago, and she was interested in a career opportunity at a company I had a connection to. And she was like, Octavia, I saw this position. What do you think? And I looked at it, and I'm, I'm like, well, I think you're overqualified. And she was like, yeah, I, well, no, yeah, no, I don't know. I can do everything. But I thought that was great, right? And I came home that evening, and I had that conversation with my husband, and my husband said, what are you talking about? Who reads job descriptions? And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I don't read job descriptions. Who would do that? I can't do half the things on there anyway. I just know if I want it and I think about who I know there and I just ask. Oh. So, <laughs> yes, you're shocked too, right? My <laughs> mouth is literally hanging open because I know that I read every single line and try to check off the box in my head and try to match up their, what they're asking with my... What do you mean who reads job descriptions? <laughs> what? So, I mean, everyone's journey is different, but a baseline is don't wait until you're ticking off every single box. If you want it, go for it. That's my advice. Wow. That's going to be me now. I'm like, who job description? What's that? Just kind of read the headline. Does it seem fun? Great. I'm applying. Uh, that's fun. But I feel like that's such a great way to go through life, right? Like, do I want this or not? 
I can learn some of the things on the on the job, I'm sure, but like, is this something that I want to do next? And you know, they might call you, they might not call you, but at least you tried, right? That is phenomenal. Exactly. Exactly. And keep trying. And I think sometimes as women, we might try something once and it doesn't work. And we're like, oh, I'm a failure. I'm not good enough. Or I didn't get an interview. Or I got the interview. And I didn't get the second interview. Or I did the second interview and I didn't get the offer. I'm not good enough. That is not the case. That is not the case. You just got to keep on trying. And it's when we're younger, we don't let fear hold us back. I have two daughters. And I remember when they were learning to walk, they would get up and they'd fall. But they'd smile because they'd get up again. And then they'd fall again. <laughs> they'd laugh and they'd get up and they'd just keep trying until they got it they had this innate sense in them that this is what i have to do next and i'm just going to keep going until i get there but we lose that as we get older we become afraid we become afraid to put our hand up in class because are we going to sound stupid we get afraid to apply for the job we would want because what if we what if we didn't get an interview what does that say about us or even worse what if we got the job and then we couldn't do it and we're not ready and we mess it up we just become afraid whereas if you think back no we're made to just keep wanting to try and falling and getting up and falling until we get it right. That's okay. So don't fall at the first hurdle. Pick yourself up. Get going. Hmm. Don't fall. Pick yourself up. Get going. I feel like that's great advice. And it sounds easy, <laughs> right? But in yeah. it's hard, I think, as humans to not take things personally or, like, to have the rejection feel like a personal attack. And... um but that, it's part of what humans do, right? You fall and you get up and you keep going. But it does hurt. You're right. We're all human, right? If if we have a stumble or if we're, I don't know, giving a presentation and we feel we didn't do it our best or a meeting goes sideways or you, you don't get a reply to an email, or, it, it can hurt if it matters to you. It can hurt. Mm. But that's why I think the belief is really important because if you fundamentally believe you are meant to be on this journey or you fundamentally believe you can do this. Even if you don't know all the pieces, keep going anyway. I, I think of it like, imagine if you're doing a jigsaw puzzle, but you don't have the box in front of you to show you what the picture's gonna look like. That's your career. Mm. You're pretty much trying to figure out the pieces, how they fit as you go and you don't know. You don't know what that picture might end up looking like. Mm. But does that mean you don't try and? put the pieces together and complete it. No, you just have to keep trying. Um, but it is hard. It is hard when something matters to you. Mm. And I think that fundamental belief and confidence is really important. And some of it is bigger than us. I, I'm very aware as a mother that it's become more and more apparent to me that women are conditioned to behave a certain way, to be polite and to make everything right and to do all the right things and boys kind of just push their way through a little bit more. Mm. <laughs> they don't necessarily always ask for permission. And asking for permission is also something that really matters to me. One of the things I learned in my career over time is that I was always apologizing for stuff. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, this, oh, that. Oh, this. And I, I suddenly realized, wait a minute, there are men that miss meetings with me or don't do things correctly. They never say sorry. <laughs> never. Mm. So why am I apologizing? Or, and it's politeness. It was like that default, oh, politeness. Oh, I don't want to bother you, but, or eliminate all of that. Um, be quietly confident but assertive. Um, it's really important because we don't want to limit ourselves when there's already so many other 
obstacles we're facing, right? So let's not limit ourselves. Mm. And I know for a lot of people, um, it seems that a frustration with corporate, it's like, oh, great, I'll just be an entrepreneur because I think it's getting better, but there's been this like romanticized <laughs> uh, picture of what being an entrepreneur is or like what your life looks like. Um, and so for you, someone who's been an entrepreneur for quite a long time, um, what has been the major kind of difference or challenge that you experience as an entrepreneur that you didn't necessarily have in corporate that would surprise people? Oh, that's a good question. I think that sometimes holding yourself accountable when you've gotten used to other people setting the bar for what is good or what is bad or what success looks like. But when the bar lies with you, that can, it can sound liberating, but that can actually be something that's paralyzing. Like, well, what, what should I be doing? <laughs> How much money should I be making? How many clients should I have? Where should I be? How many speaking engagements should I be doing? How many podcast interviews should I be doing? It could, it could feel limitless right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's one thing. But I think you're right. I think for a lot of women, and especially for women who perhaps are hitting ceilings that they didn't see coming, they might be like, I don't want to deal with this. I want to do it on my own terms. And that is valid. But some of those same issues that you may have had may follow you. So you have to be prepared for that. And I think that's why that belief is important. And I think knowing your worth and knowing your time and knowing your resources, I think self-care is really important. That can be something that you can lose in the shuffle when you start working for yourself because there's no official end times in what you do. When do you start your day? When do you end your day? When do you switch off? When don't you? So I think self-care is really, really important. Um, you, you can't work 80-hour weeks for the rest of your life, so you need to know about balance and work-life balance is hard mm. whether you work in corporate america whether you work for yourself it's hard how do you make that work and what it looks like for you might look completely different to someone else mm. so i think it's about being kind to yourself and taking care of yourself is really important mm. and with a more structured corporate life you kind of have like i have three weeks of vacation so i know at least for these three weeks i'll be doing this whereas when you're an entrepreneur <laughs> you have your company or whatever goals that you've set for, and it's like you do it until it's done because what you make is directly related to how much work and business you generate. Yes, absolutely. Perfect. So we're going to go on to the lightning round questions. Um, so don't overthink these. Just what the first thing that comes to mind is the correct answer. Um, so looking back on the totality of your career, whether it's your time in corporate or as since you've been an entrepreneur, What's a piece of career advice that you took that looking back you probably should not have? Oh, yeah, I can answer that easily. So when I was in school, um, I was always a fantastic student, um, but my confidence just eroded and eroded each year, each year, each year. And I didn't believe in myself, and I didn't have the vision that I talk about as being so important. And so I remember seeing a career advisor, I must have been my first year in college and I almost didn't go to college by the way um I didn't think I was good enough so I didn't apply because I was afraid mm. and then I was like okay I'll tell you what you're doing just apply so I applied late but I got six offers and I went to my first choice wow so that should have been enough for me to realize hang on a minute I'll tell you you're holding yourself back 
but I still kind of kept that pattern. And I went to see a career advisor and I was like, you know, I, I really love writing. I, like, I don't think I'm good enough. What do you think I should do? And the career advisor said, oh, have you thought of doing public relations? And I was like, no. And so someone else told me what my career should be. And I went and followed that. And I did it. <laughs> I became an expert. I looked it all up. I got an internship. I got my first job before I even graduated. I remember I had to take time off from work to go back to my graduation family. That's how funny I was. But I didn't really truly believe in making, I could make my own choice or that I could figure it out. And so not that looking back, I'm, I'm glad of everything that I've done, I've learned from. So, but I do wish when I was younger, I knew what I know now, which is that I own my path. And I might try things and they might not work out. And then I try something else, but I can't let fear stop me from trying. Mm. Um, what's, the career lesson that is taking you the longest to learn, but has had the biggest impact on your career? Um, coaching, definitely. I think whilst I'm saying we need to, as individuals, not hold ourselves back, and we need to do all of those things, sometimes it's hard. And so I really firmly believe, I know <laughs> just how profound coaching can be. So if you feel like you want to get to the next level and you want to put your best foot forward, find a coach. Even if you're paying for it yourself, even if your company won't pay for it for you, it will be worth the investment. So that's one thing I wish I had known about decades ago. <laughs> mm. um, so what is the one book that's either had the biggest impact on your career or that you can read over and over again? Um, Women and Money by Susie Orman. I just, first time I read it, like, my jaw is dropping open all the time, like, all these things that I just had never known or thought about, and it doesn't matter how much you earn, you can still be wealthy if you know how to manage your money, and so that is really important. You might be going to work for a, a number of reasons, but ultimately, you also want to be able to support yourself, um, and so I read that book a couple of times a year just to try and keep in check <laughs> got it and then the last question um we always talk about oh, in terms of career right a lot of decisions around your career are made when you're not in the room right behind closed doors whether it's with the sponsor a mentor whoever the decision makers that be and it's the same in entrepreneurship right in terms of business you know with the referrals it's what people you know say about you so for you what do you hope people are saying about you when you're not in the room i hope they're saying wow that meeting or that workshop with Octavia, that, wow, that's really helped me move forward. Mm. That's a that's a great answer and a, a great a great place for us to stop. So, Octavia, if people want to connect with you, where can they find you? Oh, thank you for asking. Um, 2010talent.com um, is our website. And you can also find me on Twitter at Octavia Gorodima. Got it. And then... Uh, thank you so much for your time today, Octavia. As always, I wanted to share three things that I took away from this interview. I told you guys she was going to be amazing. The first one is to ask for what you want. And if you listen to the New York episode, you know that one of the things that I'm working on is remembering to ask for what I want. And so it was so great to have this reinforced uh, in this interview. The second thing is negotiate, negotiate, negotiate. And it doesn't always have to be around salary, but make sure that you're well-versed on like what your 
company or prospective company offers and find the different points that matter to you that you want to negotiate on. Um, and then the last thing that, um, she said that I think like stuck with me and it's something I'm going to try to hold on to for 2019. She was like, I can't let fear stop me from trying. So I know there are tons of things that we want to do in this new year that may seem outside of our wheelhouse, outside of our capabilities. But I will say if there's something that's on your heart that you want to do a new job, a new promotion, more money, more projects, don't let fear stop you from moving forward to at least try and see what the results could be. As always, if you want to continue the conversation, join us in our Facebook group at I Choose the Ladder. And until next time, thank you for listening.